Good evening, everyone. Though I'm looking there, and there's still some pretty low numbers at the moment, but I'm sure that'll count up any second now. And uh, welcome to Evie's and Beyond Live. I think we're up to about episode... Oh, I can't see it on the top of my screen. About seven, no, eight. I think we're episode eight. So uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, welcome to those who are uh, seeing this for the first time. For those who haven't, I will give you the usual rundown. Uh, this is very much an open community kind of discussion. So please jump in that comment section, say hello, uh, ask questions of, of the uh, the panel, uh, give your opinions, whether they be right, wrong, or crazy, or terrible, or probably not pro-petrol cars, I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, just join in the fun. Um, this is such a, a great thing to do, I think, every week and a great way to bring the market uh, together to discuss some great things in the electrification space. Uh, as we discussed before, you can watch this on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Facebook seems to be where most of the discussion is. YouTube gives you the best quality. I'll let you pick and choose. Uh, I wish everyone was on YouTube, but uh, look, Facebook uh, is still pretty good for now. I think the difference is you get kind of between 480, 480 and 720 on Facebook, you get 1080p on YouTube, but then that also depends on how my connection is uh, overnight anyway. Now, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a request, I was hoping people could uh, comment uh, tonight on what it is you drive. We see a lot of names through here regularly, but I have no idea what uh, a lot of you guys drive. Well, I know what Mark Buckingham drives. Uh, he uh, he runs around in a Tesla Model Y and a very, very old Leaf. Uh, tonight he's, uh, good evening, I come to you from Hotel Tesla, somewhere in the lower North Island, 27 installs deep, help get me out. Well, how are they going to get you out, Mark, if you uh, want them to do more installs? You know, just, do you want people to cancel their installs so you can go home? No? <laughs> I don't know how that one's going to work. Uh, Graham says three or four today, Mark. Surely, Mark, you do more than four in a day. Anyway, now we have a cu great couple of guests today. Both are familiar to you all, and they've been, they've been on before. And I'll uh, I'll bring them in one by one. First is uh, Steve Greenwood from Drive EV down in Taupo. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hey, Richard. Uh, thanks for having uh, me. And yeah, hi everyone. I'm actually in Otaki today. Heading back to Taupo, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing down there, the end of the country? Uh, just uh, so, just finished Targa, and um, yeah, sailed over a day late. We've um, uh, got the kids an extra few days off school, and just at Mum's house, um, which is just yeah, now north of Wellington, so a, a good good stop, and um, yeah, some free charging. <laughs> um, yeah. Now we'll discuss Tiger later on, but you survived. That's the key thing. You know, the yeah, car is yes. in one piece. So maybe I'm a bit red. I, I can see now I'm on, on film, a bit of sunburn, but no, no, I've all limbs, fingers. Yeah, and there's a car that still goes. So yeah, that's all good. <laughs> if you crank up, crank up the brightness on the screen of your laptop, you might end up getting a bit of, bit of pale light from the laptop and it'll look a little bit red, <laughs> less red if it worries you. <laughs> no, I'm fine. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, look, this is a bit of a bit of a car industry nerd thing here at the moment. We've been hearing, I've been hearing lots about things slowing down a little in the car market. Is is the same going on for for electric cars, or do electric cars just carrying on? I mean, how are you guys finding things at the moment? Um, it's pretty interesting at the moment. Like, I mean, we've we've found that things have been a little bit quiet over the last few months. Um, which, whether that's um, you know new products hitting the market, or whether that's I know that. Um, stock's really hard to buy in Japan, um, so I think dealers are probably hanging on to their prices 
based on, you know, generally as a dealer, you look at what you can replace it for. Um, and if, if you, you know, you stuff on the yard, um, you know, you're not going to discount it if you have to pay more for the next one. So I don't know whether that's the pricing to look firmer, but um, yeah, I, I think it's also just a bit of a funny transition this time of year when, when we sort of hit the, the sunny season. And um, yeah, so I, th I think we've noticed it's picked up a little bit um, in the last week or so. Um, but yeah, I think from the connections we have in the, the ice world, it's it's really bad. You know, like it's really, really quiet for them. So I think we're probably in a different league to them. But um, yeah, still still quieter than it's been, you know, in a while. So. And are you worried about what uh, the team's done to the yard where you've been away? I mean, have those boys been up to trouble? Oh, I'm sure they have, yeah. I'm sure they have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's what you get if you if you go away. You can't complain when you get back. <laughs> go back, go back to find the aria wrapped in bright pink or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's actually more likely I would be the one to do that. So it's probably the responsible ones are probably the ones who are left behind. <laughs> Oh, classic, classic. Right, well, uh, we will bring in our second guest now. He uh, has been around the car for a very long time, but uh, known to many of you for his work launching the uh, the MG brand in New Zealand, particularly the MG ZS EV, and now he is distributing Horwin scooters. Uh, welcome Anthony McLean to uh, the show. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for inviting me back. Didn't stuff it up for this time, then. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be a good sign. No, 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 no. People, people love the insight. People love the insight. It's interesting, actually. I found the you know, look, you do bring a bit, of, bit of an industry perspective to, uh, to things, and um, uh, I find it interesting. The EV community does seem to really like a lot of the industry stuff. I accidentally last week shared a the our Auto Talk weekly wrap, a, a week show we do weekly on uh, Auto Talk for the broader dealer community market. Uh, to the EVs page, it honestly wasn't deliberate um, because we were covering the, uh, some tough stuff around the BYD issue with uh, ANCAP and compliance in Australia, and um, yeah, it, it was really popular amongst the EV circles for some reason. Uh, even though it was a accidental posting in that area, they are, people seem to be really interested in what's going on around the the market. It's uh, it's quite interesting to see the kind of buy in. So uh, yeah, and yeah, and how are things going? Horns Horns underway. Uh, just uh, read today our first review in Autocast. We had a fantastic review in Autocast, so that was particularly exciting. But I think, you know, anybody who's here who's ever set something up, you're often uh, challenged by some of the small stuff. So our first container load, which is a little bit late, has just been, I wouldn't say seized by customs, but I would say has been, uh, has been um, moved or demanded that it be moved so that they can open it in a secure a facility to check, to, I guess, to check that we're not smuggling stuff in. So <laughs> you know, we've been waiting for this product to arrive for a long time. And uh, and late last week, uh, while I was overseas, I got a note to say that uh, that customs had taken a keen interest and it was going to delay the, uh, our first shipment even further. So that's challenging. But uh, the second shipment is only a week behind the first shipment. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but they were ordered two months apart. So, you know, it's... But it's great. Look, it's good. And I think we're going to have a few more challenges yet before we before we bed in. But that's part of setting up a business. Oh, no, I was no just saying that the, the team's uh, got a little side hustle to uh, get the, uh, the buy prices uh, nice and low on those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Uh, you talk about things getting more expensive, Steve, in, uh, in Japan. You know, we buy in US dollars despite the fact that it's a oh, right. yeah. And even yeah. from our budgeting, you know, it's 20, the, the exchange rate has moved 20% since we've started. So that's got to have an impact on a whole bunch of yeah. brands yeah. bringing mm -hmm. cars in because US dollars are, you know, it's one of the currencies that people, one of the volume currencies that people yeah, yeah. buy. In. You know, lots of brands will buy in US dollars, even if their cars originate out of the US. So I actually think you're going to see a whole swag of price rises coming through over the next, mm. you know, people will wait to see, they'll hedge mm. first, uh, mm. you know, they'll use the hedge funds and then they'll see where the market's going. But I think over the next three months, you'll see some big price rises coming on on, on uh, new vehicles. Definitely. If you want to model, if, if you want to model Y, you've got to put your order in, order in now because they are holding that price down so artificially. I think we are currently the third cheapest place in the world to buy for a Model Y. Um, I can't mm. see it lasting for long. You know, Richard, why, why do you think uh, they're doing that? Well, well, I actually think for the, the eight thousand six hundred fifty dollars. I think. It's, oh, right. I think yeah. it's yeah. also a timing issue. So you know, the Economist does the does uh, the Big Mac index where they look at the purchasing power parity of of currencies around the world based on the price of a Big Macs. And I, I think they've done it for maybe 30 years now. Right. But actually yeah. the other product, the other global product, which is standardized and gives you real transparency is a Tesla Model 3. So I think it'd be great fun to do a purchasing power parity uh, review of Tesla Model 3. As long as you can get that, um, uh, as long as you can get that standard range plus, I can't, sorry, I can't remember the exact naming of the model at the entry level three <laughs> disgracefully. But as long as you can get that in multiple markets, you know, you'll get to see whether they are holding it down to stay under the cap, or in fact, whether, um, or in fact, it's, you know, it takes some time. They don't change based on what their currency is today. They base it on what they bought and ordered the stock at, or when they had to pay for the stock. The, the model three, the model three. I don't think you get a, a, a decent figure on that now because it's not being held down. The gap between since the Y launched, the gap between the three and the Y has uh, um, narrowed. So the Model 3 has gone up, but the Y hasn't. Um, mm. But but it's interesting if you, if, you know, when I discuss how well the, the clean car discount's working, I mean, as far as uh, supply into the market, you look at things like Volkswagen. I never expected them to be able to squeeze the ID for $180,000. Um, no. And they did. Me as well, yeah. And they did. Um, mm. and, the, and the Mustang. I didn't expect them to get the Mustang under 80. They did. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting you say that about ID4, though. You see, I, I have a very different view on ID4. Mustang is a little bit different because it's a big battery, but but ID4, the model we take here is, uh, is I think, the largest battery that they offer in other markets. And I think it's the highest output or the second highest output. So we're about model number six up in the lineup, if you say look at the UK model lineup, for example. So... You could argue that the the challenge that they've got, I think, with current ID4 is that it's only just under the cap. They've given themselves no wriggle room. And I suspect mm -hmm. that they take, because they've got to include on-road costs in there too, I suspect they've taken a bit of margin away from the dealers. I don't know this, but it's my guess, in order mm -hmm. to get it under the cap to get volume. But if they hadn't taken, as they call it here, ID4 Pro, if they'd have taken one of the smaller batteries, and there are two smaller batteries, I think, that they offer in ID4 and two lower outputs, they could have taken a more mid-spec car, ID4 and ID5, and had two under the cap. And that would have really, really helped them in, in volume. It would also give them a little bit more security, if you like, on supply, because if the exchange rate keeps going the way it is, they've painted themselves into a corner. 
they'd have to despec it to keep it under the cap. And I think that's a, an interesting tactical error. Um, whereas, yeah, whereas I, I, is, a big, is it 77 kilowatt hours on a Mac-E? Yes, yeah. Look, I, I see there's an element of that they're, they're doing it to to show the government that, yeah, we can only really just squeeze under this and we're doing you a favour kind of thing because there is a lot of push to push that cap up. Um, and that has some some, some pros and cons. Uh, but also, um, I think for a brand like Volkswagen, they don't necessarily want to bring in a vehicle that has that smaller range. They, I think they think their customers want and expect that thing. And, and, and to be fair, the market kind of bears that out. You know, if you take the BYD, for example, no one's buying the smaller battery. Um, it's... Yeah, I think the only company that's actively gone and chosen the smaller battery in their range has been the uh, has been MG with the ZS, and I know they they are actually considering the seventy one kilowatt for the New Zealand market. They're, they're testing one here, so yeah. You, I mean, look, you. I think you and I disagree on on yeah. on, on on this viewpoint because I've got a view that we should be bringing in vehicles with smaller batteries for two reasons. Um, you know, um, I was at a drive electric event. Um, a couple of months ago, and there was a talk about trickle down. You know, how do we help the vehicle park, the overall, the overall vehicle park, um, adopt more electric? And one of the routes to do that is that we that people buy more new electric cars and they trickle down through the uh, through the market. The problem with that is if you're buying an eighty or a ninety thousand dollar car because there's a lot of stuff above the cap, then that's still an expensive used car in three years' time. Actually. Where I think um, brands should be, and clearly not exclusively, they need a spread. I really firmly believe that we should have a lot more affordable EVs in New Zealand. And I, I, I don't know whether we've talked about this before or whether it's one of my private soapboxes that I bend all my friends' ears with. But, you know, going back to ID4, they could have taken a, a 52 kilowatt hour, 148 PS product, uh, which is called, um, I think it's called a Life Edition in the UK. That's thirty-eight thousand. That's uh, thirty-eight thousand seven hundred pounds. So that's about uh, what's that's about seventy-two, isn't it? Uh, if it, if it's two for one um, pounds to to Kiwi, but actually BYD, you know they've got uh, they've got Dolphin on the way at some point. You know we don't know is it eighteen months away or two years away? Who knows? But uh, and uh, and as we as I mentioned before, I went on screen. You know, I saw that Dolphin the other day. I think that's available as like a 37 or a 43 or something like that. You know, this is the stuff that will increase EV adoption. Not everybody needs an EV as a main car. Lots of people need an EV as a second car. We've got really good infrastructure and it's getting a lot better. A big eco focus is on getting better infrastructure. We charge at home. Do you really, really need a big battery when 60, you know, 60% of journeys are 11Ks or less? You don't. You mm. think you don't really need it. And I think that's a handbrake on EV adoption. I think in some way there is. Mm. But look, if you you look at the size of an ID4, how far does a 52 kilowatt battery take it in New Zealand? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I agree, yeah. and, and I think in a lot of cases, a I almost believe that that you know, past a certain point, charging speeds more important than battery size. Mm. But when mm. you're getting up into that family size SUV rank, I, I wouldn't want much less than 70. I think yeah, like I mean, what I mean, we've sold the idea, like quite a few of the ID fours, um, XUK and ID threes, and what we see, I think, is once you get like I mean, if you're talking about here's this vehicle for forty grand or fifty grand or something like that, um, then absolutely, I think if you're looking at an ID four, and and one of them's you know eighty, um, and the next one's seventy. 
what we found is these people have been buying $40,000 cars. You know, this is the big, you know, this is like, we're buying this car and then that's us. This is our car for as long as we're planning. Um, and like we found with some of the smaller battery models, unless there's a huge jump, like we, we never imported the, uh, the yeah, the, we did import the life, but whatever the, the small ID3 battery, there's a, because there's 82 total, um, 60 and then 40-ish. Um, we never really did the 40-ish one because they, they weren't cheap cars. You know, they were, they were never going to be cheap. Um, so it's kind of, if, you, if you're if coughing up and you've got the checkbook open, um, 70 or 80 isn't, you know. Um, mm. is, it, is it possible, Anthony, that they are leaving room for Skoda to run the smaller battery and the Enyaq? Yeah, and I... And I um, and, and I don't know where, what Skoda are doing yet. You would look. I think the seventy-seven. I think they've got in the in the in the portfolio. They've got seventy-seven kilowatt hours and fifty-two. I think for ID for Steve, they might have a smaller one. I think. I think yeah, fifty-eight. Yeah, there's one in my mum's garage. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the yeah. that's the mid one. Um. So and then they've got different power outputs, of course, uh, for the for the motor. It would yes. make sense if they left room, but I'm not convinced that Skoda and Volkswagen work that strategically together. I don't know. I don't know at a local level. I mean, if anybody here is from EMD, they could probably tell us. But do the two brands work together to get really good market coverage, or do they both just say, "Oh, we need big batteries and we want lots of power and we want a nice high spec vehicle"? And I think the challenge for manufacturers right now is that as they produce high spec high-performance batteries, uh, vehicles with big batteries, you just get very, very expensive cars. And one of the fundamentals of selling cars is that a lower-priced vehicle will sell more. So that's not to say that that's not to say that a Pro Plus uh, will be outsold by a Pro because they're actually they're very similar specs, similar batteries. But it does, and, and, and of course, one's one side of the cap and one's the other. So that's a big distortion. That's not to say, for example, in MG3 world, let's take it the other extreme, that a chorus outsells an Excite. But what I mean is MG3, everything else being equal, would outsell a, probably I'm mixing my categories, but within a within the same category, you know, ZS would outsell uh, a ZST high spec. You know, so you can't expect to sell more volume if you've got a really high spec car. Early adopters, because we're, you know, we've we've gone through, we've gone beyond the very very early stages now of adoption because we're at twenty five percent of our uh, sales being pure electric all of a sudden in passenger vehicles. But where's the cheap stuff? You know, where's the affordable stuff? It's just not there, and I think that's a real, I think that's a real challenge for the brands. And if these guys don't do it, if Volkswagen and Skoda don't do it, then MG and BYD will do it, and Geely will do it. And, you know, and Jerry will do it. So I think it's really important that they don't leave the door too far wide open, lest they give the Chinese opposition a really um, an easier step into the market. I think they should be defending their market aggressively, not just uh, not just trying to sell high margin cars. And I think that strategic difference is a is a really, really interesting one. Well, I guess the other reason potentially why they're trying to just focus on the high margin stuff is that 
we know that the European brands are very much under pressure around what they can keep in their home market versus what they can export. So mm. if you've been given a fairly limited run, you might as well go for the bigger battery, I guess. I'm just, I've just been doing a little bit of background reading on some of the Skoda dealer websites in New Zealand. The Skoda, Skoda does mention, now it's not to say it's going to happen, they do mention the 55 kilowatt battery as an option on some of the literature they've got, but that could just be international literature discussing the product as opposed to any commitment to uh, to thing to uh, stuff there. Uh, before we shift on to the news, let's just run through a couple of uh, um, uh, comments here. Uh, Neil John says, how many pre-orders so far for the compelling Horwin offering? Um... I'm not sure if I want to share numbers yet. They're relatively they're relatively small. I think one of the we've pre-sold a number on online, a decent number online, uh, but dealers don't have demonstrators yet. So that's our challenge. Um, there's only three. As I as I as I sit here right now, there's there's only two registered Horwins in the country that we've imported, um, but there's another hundred um, that's going to be here this month. So um, uh, and we've got a big and we've got a big dealer, um, we've got a big dealer network and lots of demonstrators going on. So we mandate that any dealer comes on board, carries two uh, demonstrators, because that part of sampling the product is mission critical on the, on the product. And we're going for car dealers as well, not, not, not motorcycle dealers as a, as a sales channel, which is quite different for a motorbike. So, um, so uh, strong early interest uh is kind of where i'm at strong early interest um but um you know it's certainly not it's certainly not mgzs pre-sale numbers by, by any by any means uh neil says people are ordering the standard range now i think he's talking about the byd 803 that's uh, distorted as they weren't available for the first shipments um that's quite possible too uh warren if you're listening maybe you could uh flick us a message as to how many what the kind of split is now um graham says people have been preconditioned for larger batteries and smaller batteries are more than adequate we have the mini se and i've had it all over the countryside now i don't want people to think i'm against short range evs i just think personally you it's, it's more about a combination of size and you know efficiency and so forth you know, like a byd dolphin with a 37 kilowatt battery to me sounds fine i don't think you need a 50 kilowatt battery in a byd dolphin but at the same time nor do i think you should have a 52 kilowatt battery in a in a fairly sizable family SUV, personal opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with with Graham there because um, we we've had the Honda E's and they're very sort of lined up with um, the Minis and and you get in and drive one um, and you soon find that you know stopping every couple of hours is is not that big a deal. <laughs> you, you know, like it's compared yeah. to driving a twenty four kilowatt hour Leaf. <laughs> but but that goes what I what I'm saying too though is that those are small city-focused cars, not necessarily yeah. family-sized do-it-all SUVs. That, that's where yeah, I think I mean, the difference lies. The Honda E we had as a demo, and, and the reason we couldn't take it away was because we couldn't fit our family in it. You know, that was the limiting factor. It wasn't the range. It was, yeah. you know... Um, My point. Which is a benefit. <laughs> I, mean, uh, yeah. I mean, just hopping, hopping into that, because, you know, this is one of the drivers behind setting up forward. So here's some NZTA data. Um, 48% of driver trips are less than six kilometers long and 65% are less than 10 kilometers long. You don't need big batteries. How you no. think you use a car, which is, you know, ski trips, roof boxes, towing the boat, all that kind of stuff. You know, if anybody here has got a boat, 
or a caravan or a motorbike and you really look and there's always an exception right i've got a motorbike in the garage i look at how many k's a year i do and it's embarrassing i like to think i'm a motorcyclist and i look at the sort of three thousand k's a year on a bike and i shake my head in shame because that's it's a weekend use and an occasional trip with a couple of mates you know uh, and if mm. i do two 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 weeks away or two sort of three or four day trips away i think i've had a good year so you know how we use cars how we use vehicles versus how we think we use them is really different and mm. we become really conditioned to thinking we need you think about the stuff your parents had you know if i think about the stuff that we had when i was a kid you know my mom had a couple of minis. We had a Ford Escort GL station wagon when three-door station wagons were a thing. You know, there were four of us. And we used to go away on big holidays. You don't need big cars, but we think we do. And the market yeah. here, particularly in New Zealand, actually, it was funny going to New Caledonia where, you know, it was more European and there were lots of small cars out there, plus a swag of Rams and, and F-150s. But, you know, you see... Uh, you see, you go to a market where everybody's driving smaller cars again, and you go, oh, holy crap, people are dri still driving small cars in other parts of the world. So mm. I, think that, we, I think that kind of, we've conditioned ourselves to buy bigger stuff that we really need. But I will be but how, how do you how do you undo that? <laughs> That's the challenge. You, you can't. You have to, well, you, you do it through taxation, but you'd never be voted in again if you did it. Um, I think... Maybe when we talk about battery electric and we think about, you know, the real reasons people say oh, to do a bit for the environment. I was talking to somebody the other day and I won't say the name, but I, but my view is, you know, um, and their view was if all we do is switch people from ice to Bev, all we have is silent traffic jams. You know, and I think there's some truth in that. And we need to think we genuinely need to think about how we use our cars i know you're probably going hang on am i switching to a green party podcast here <laughs> uh, we, we, we do need to think about how we use our cars really rather than just go well i need a big suv but i want it to be battery electric and, and a big it will take a long time it might be the next generation that 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 decide to go smaller or don't buy and go right here who, who knows if, if we go back to the cars of our of our family past our family car for many years was a Ford Cortina 1.6 station wagon running on CNG. But if you want to talk about range anxiety, that thing on CNG would get all of about 200 kilometers anyway. And then, uh, and you couldn't doing... charge them anyway, could you? No, and, and well, no, back in the 80s, there was a fair amount of CNG distribution around New Zealand. Uh, yeah. but uh, that thing was so gutless on CNG that I remember dad and mum having to basically coordinate together two hand hands when we were driving down to Wellington to the grandparents uh for uh to be able to switch it from cng to petrol on the go as you're approaching oh, yeah. vinegar hill to be able to get up the hill <laughs> have enough talk to get up the hill from the petrol um Wait, so, <laughs> talking about terrible cng coverage my uh, my grandfather had a daf 55 <laughs> daf 55 <laughs> which he converted to lpg god knows why it's like a world's dumbest conversion so take an underpowered car that put a cvt in it and then make it cng <laughs> <laughs> uh graham says it's, it's how quickly cars charge that's more important than size a small battery that can charge at 50 kilowatts with a range of around 200 kilometers is good for traveling bladder maintenance distances i think the issue there though is when you are traveling long distances generally you're doing with a load and a 200k car becomes a 100k car that's yeah anyway uh graham says uh snap steve i'm guessing he's talking about oh yeah Anyway, I, I'm not sure really what the context is. Uh, Warren says, Timson of Waters is a standard range BYD, so people are by and large going for the bigger battery. 
Um, Margaret says, uh, which is why you were right saying we are the shorter range, less than 300 or 400 kilometer new EVs. Um, now, if we actually quickly, we'll have a mention. Um, uh, we spotted last week, it's been picked up by others as well, a Tata Nixion on the motorway in Auckland. I know I've, I've understood for a while that this stuff was coming to be tested here. That potentially, some people are suggesting, could be a, a option in the future for a cheaper EV in New Zealand. Um, they, but they're not the che- they're not actually that cheap out of India from what I've seen. I think in their home market they retail for nigh on forty thousand dollars. So by the time it gets here, I'm not sure. But interesting to see that these companies are looking at New Zealand pretty seriously. Um, Neil says Anthony has a really good point. Maybe we should hire a car for those two percent moments when we need everything and buy something fit for purpose for the majority of our usage. The problem with that in New Zealand is that rental cars are priced for tourists. I remember living in the UK, when, when you remember with Anthony, on a weekend, rental cars were really cheap. You'd yeah. rent cars for dirt because they were mostly used for business during the week and then you could rent them for next to nothing for a weekend. It's just the, it just doesn't work like that in New Zealand. Um, and Neil says, and that's why I really want to ride a burnt orange Horwin. <laughs> yeah, 170 kilometer, you see, in fuel. Uh, but I think... Uh, I think going back to affordable EVs, if you just if you just stretch that one uh, one stage further, and you look at used cars, uh, and you look at used car imports outside of uh, outside of Bev imports, uh, I think it's a really interesting and compelling. Re- there's a really interesting and compelling reason that Aqua is such a strong seller used. You know, if you look at a Tida, um, which was really Aqua's predecessor in terms of holding the mantle as the best-selling used import in, in, into New Zealand. And Aqua is half the emissions and twice the fuel economy for the same price as uh, as a Tita. And it's a similar size car. It's marginally smaller. Um, so there's clearly an untapped uh, market for a, you know, there's a really big gap at the moment. You either buy an old Leaf, you have 24, you can ignore those, but a 30 or, a, you know, and then you're up to MG ZSEV, still the cheapest EV. Not, you know, but it's still 50 kilowatts. Where's the bit in between those two models? There's no choice out there. And I think for me, that's the really, really fascinating I'm sure. market. Yeah. I'm sure Warren will be answering that with the, with the, uh, the uh, Dolphin. Dolphin or Edo 2 or whatever it's called in the very near future. Right. That has been an introduction that has stretched on for half an hour. What a heck of a way to start. <laughs> Sorry so, about that. So uh, I can That's see this one's going to run. This one's going to be a good one because uh, we've got some amazing topics to jump into now. Uh, so let's uh, run that terrible, terrible sting. Right. So we've. Oh, Steve's back. <laughs> let's the bugs are coming in <laughs> let's uh let's jump into this uh yeah there we go so it started with the news um so the mercedes-benz eqb has launched so for all of those people out there who've been screaming for so long for a seven seat electric vehicle mercedes has delivered about uh, delivered two different ones in the space of a couple of weeks so we mentioned last week i was driving the Mercedes-Benz EQV, $167,000 of awesomeness. Um, they've also got the uh, the Vito version with eight seats for about $130,000. Well, uh, now we have the EQB. Um, 
the uh, that's a small to medium sized SUV. It's based on the same platform as the EQA electric car, uh, available in front and all-wheel drive with seven seats. Now, Matthew uh, has went over to Melbourne to drive it last week, and then amazingly, they one turned up for him to drive in New Zealand as well. We are embargoed about how much we can say about this car until late, until Thursday. So if you go to uh, EVs and beyond on Thursday, Matthew will have a story up on that. But he has sent me a wee video uh, from about the car. Um, well, I think it's just him walking around having a wee chat. So we'll, uh, we'll play that now. Today, guys, um, Matthew speaking, and joined by this thing. This is the new Mercedes EQB, one of the first in the country. It's the latest uh, fully electric vehicle to be added to the Mercedes lineup. Um, shares a lot of componentry and, and platform bits with the EQA, but it's actually a little longer than the EQA's big cousin, the EQC. That means they can fit a couple more seats around here somewhere uh, in certain models. Um, making this a seven-seater. A bit of a rarity in the uh, EV stakes. Um, under the bodywork is a 66.5 kilowatt hour battery, uh, which Mercedes says is good for a range of um, between 360 and 370 kilometers, um, depending on the model that you choose. I was lucky enough to get a brief sample of this car late last week in Melbourne, and uh, I'm Equally lucky to have one on the driveway uh, for this week back in Auckland. As you can see, there's the interior, a few AMG bits. Um, this is the EQB 350 with the dual motors. So a lot of little AMG touches, which uh, is, is, is quite pretty. Um, note the legroom in the back. Now, unfortunately, there's still an embargo on pricing detail, spec detail, um, and a few other things regarding the EQB um, but that embargo lifts this coming Thursday so on Thursday feel free to tune in to uh, the EVs and Beyond website for pricing detail, for spec detail and for our first drive impressions. Cheers guys. Right so now apparently we're enti not entirely embargoed because I've just been digging around and have actually found the published pricing for it not the embargo pricing for it though this uh, was actually run out in September so it may be subject to change so the car starts at 99,900 for the 250 model which is the front wheel drive model uh, and up to where is it uh, 109,900 for the EQB 350-4-matic um, which is so four wheel drive 215 kilowatts 6.2 0 to 100 um so yeah look i get it it's a mercedes benz it's got a price tag to it but there you go we finally got a kind of a seven seatery option it's not really a big family suv kind of between a small and a medium one um but i think that's that could be could attract a few buyers and definitely i think makes a bit more sense in the eqa for for new zealand and that that catch anyone's eye I think that's a. I think it's a really lovely car. I like the styling of um, of the of the GLB that the, that this is based on. So, um, I mean, you know, Mercedes do beautiful interiors. The, the touch points and stuff are fantastic. It'll be super refined. Um, you know, it's going to be a fantastic compact seven uh, seven seater. I think it's quite expensive. I mean, it is a premium product, of course. But just going back to my earlier point. But that's that this car was never going to be under the cap. It was because the car that the ice version is is it's, 
is it that expensive? I mean, a, a fairly highly specified electric um, uh, seven-seat European SUV for ninety-nine thousand dollars. So the battery's sixty kilowatt hour, was it? Sixty-six point five, I believe. Well, so that'd be usable, I'm guessing. Is that how Mercedes do it? Yes, I think so. Yeah, double checking that for you now, though. Because <laughs> mm. that sounds, you know, with seven people. I think three hundred, you'd be lucky. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Think I don't. They're doing that rating with seven people. That'll be. That'll be double. Uh, double. Well, actually, WLTP for the uh, for the um, uh, EQ the two fifty is four hundred and fifty two kilometers. Um, okay. Which they sounds super efficient, but could be. Could be. Um, yeah. Who, also, who not a very big car. It's you know this no. is even though it's a seven seater, it's a pretty compact seven seat. It will be yeah. it'll be two adults and 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 three or four kids. It's not a it's not a seven adult car. Yeah, it's 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 kind of smaller than an it's smaller than an X Trail, smaller than a Model Y. Um, oh right, all oh, right. In uh, footprint size, it's it's a very cleverly designed vehicle from an interior perspective. But yeah, that third row is um, is uh, um, yeah. Is not it's not for adults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just trying to find out what the usable battery is on it. Um, I suspect that it is. Yeah, no, it's sixty six point five usable. It's sixty nine point seven total. Um, right. So that's okay. uh, that explains that a little. That makes a little more sense there. So uh, yeah. for um, uh, where are we? Oh no, that's a different comment. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's an interesting one. So yeah, that's exciting. Well, so don't forget to go to the website on Thursday to have a look at that. Now, uh, our next story on the list is a big one, and it's kind of what I suspect a few people are here about tonight. And that is kind of part two of a discussion around the safety uh, results for the BYD BYD Atto three. So of course, the BYD Atto three has uh, gathered a five star ANCAP rating. In New Zealand and not in Australia. And so what it has turned out, and we still don't really have full answers on this because it kind of seems to be a bit of a work in progress. Uh, well, there's, there you go. There's the third row in the EQB. Um, it's, uh, yeah, more child-friendly. Uh, so it's still very much a work in progress uh, is that uh, it appears the cars in Australia may not meet ADR. So uh, the reports are that uh, lawyers... Uh, representing uh, the true BYD at the BYDs in Australia, that's uh, EV Direct or Nextport, uh, has, the vehicle has, has been certified as a five-seat passenger vehicle, but it lacks a top tether child restraint anchor point in the centre position in the back seat, a requirement for five-seat passenger compliance in Australia. Um, so this is a really interesting one because not only does it question why the car doesn't have the point there it questions why the car was certified as a five-seater when it didn't have the point because this isn't, isn't a unknown issue uh to the australian automotive industry there have been a number of cases in the past most recently the latest generation honda hrv was sold uh, released there as a four-seater because it didn't have a center uh, um mounting points they simply removed the center seat belt and called it a four-seater as opposed to a five-seater uh there's been a few other cases but another notable one that you might have some insight on or might recall uh anthony uh, from your background was that when the current distributors of mg took back over uh in australia they had to recall some cars that were although they're sure if they bought on a war landed prior to their arrival uh that had been sold with a similar thing where the car was 
certified for use by the distributor and then it was found it didn't have that center uh, um, tether uh, is, is am I recalling that correct I believe it was the mg6 they had that issue with yeah so certainly New Zealand obviously because we don't have to deal with ADR here it's an optional standard here uh, I'm not sure what uh, went on in Australia I know that there was an issue that there was some old stock that MG Motor Australia had to buy from the previous distributor and they had or or some old stock stock that they inherited and it, and it had some challenges but I don't I'm just not across the detail of that I mean look I think it proves uh, that there's um, there's a real challenge and it, it actually begs the question whether ADR has a place anymore. You know, New Zealand is really interesting in that it allows essentially four standards for vehicles to comply. You know, we could have Japanese technical standards, we could have European whole vehicle type approval, we could have US federal, or we can have um, ADR. And ADR to have a unique standard for one country that has a slightly left field standard around child safety restraints, because that's what the issue is about BYD in Australia. You know, um, it's an it's a system you don't need here. It's a system you don't need in Europe, um, but yet in Australia they have it. So while I think you can argue that um, there's been some missteps for uh, for Nextport or for or for EB Direct in Australia with Atto. It does make you question why they have a system as a child seek standard that's not required in many other markets. Yeah, Australia yeah. was weird. I mean, um, Isofix was banned in Australia for a very long yeah. time. And and um, and and you know, and you'll know this, uh, Richard, as a father of young children, the the general rule on safety seats is the best child seat is one that fits securely. So yeah. and 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 uh, in fact, Isofix is a fantastic standard for child seats frustratingly not common not that common here because uh, a lot of product is adr complied where they don't recognize um isofix but isofix for those of you who don't know it is a system where your child seat clicks into two secure points not to be confused with latch which is a us system which uses the same mounting points and and is is nowhere near as good in terms of secure fitment so i i i think I think there'll be some pretty stern conversations going on in uh, um, in EV Direct, uh, as was over in, in Australia. But fundamentally, the issue is you've got a, a strange compliance for child seat standards that's out of step with lots of other markets that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't but, want but, to is, but is that the issue? I mean, look, I'm not going to disagree that ISOFIX, the, 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 the certification decisions in Australia are weird. But that's Australia's certification decisions, mm. and to just go and release the car there, and it might it's a self certification system, isn't it? They would have submitted documents saying the vehicle vehicle complied, and then it's only now that it's been the ANCAP spot check that these guys are that the authorities are realizing that the car doesn't comply. Do you well, think BYD put the paperwork through self certified knowing it didn't comply, or do you think that they've made a mistake? No, I, and you know th this stuff is often peer reviewed, and there's people that deal with compliance in Australia to help you get to help you know because it's pretty technical actually. It's all very well for me to say, you know, it's just four standards, but actually it is pretty technical. No, I suspect what's happened is it's just an oversight. You know, most people wouldn't put a child seat in the middle of a of of um, of a rear row. You generally have it, you know, because it's hard to use. You generally put it on the outer side. So, I would be very very surprised if it was a 
uh, if it was a mistake on the self certificate, you know, it, it's a, it's a high level mistake that's not been picked up with a with a peer review. It's an embarrassment, and of course, the the real part for me about this is there's customers out there who've got a car who are now kind of going, you know, what do I do? Um, and you know, will it affect my resale? And and the and the Commerce Commission equivalent in in Australia will 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 go pretty hard, I think, on on them as well. Uh, because there'll be compensation claims and a whole bunch of stuff but so it's a bit of a dog's dinner but i don't think you, you've got to remember there's customers in this too and and that's the real challenge with this yeah uh, i i i think considering about the time they would have been doing this work we had a lot of discussion around the honda and various other things it's not an unknown issue i think it's generous to suggest it was a mistake but hey i don't know uh i yeah just we'll disagree on that with the uh this is the statement that's been sent out to uh to customers uh, I, I wish there'd been more information than this because it's pretty still pretty limited basically saying don't put a car seat in the middle of the back seat so <laughs> and that's a, that's an email that came out on a saturday i think it's just yeah um you know i think there's some great lessons from this this is not a lesson in great customer communication at at any stage is it um but I mean, we can only speculate on how they've got to where they've got to. The question now is, what do they do to fix this uh, quickly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the question. So what can they do? I mean, my understanding, and I guess this is one of the weird things about the uh, situation, is if you pull back the carpet or the trim on the back of the seat, the mounting point is there. But I guess they would have to get that certified and they would have to cut the access to all those cars that were delivered, which are a few hundred of them and all the cars that are on the way through. So, yeah, I guess Nick's Port have got a bit of work to do and maybe a bit of apologising to do to, to the authorities there to get this pushed through quickly. Well, at best case, it's a service measure. At worst case, it's a recall, and I suspect it, I suspect it should be a recall. Uh, and then you wonder whether there's going to be any fines and rebates. I mean, that's that feels to me how it will probably play, pay out. If you bought that car as a five-seater and you needed five seats and you were told you couldn't use it, you could reject that car. Um, I mean, it's good that it's good that the New Zealand team, uh, yeah, and they're experienced. You know, the the, the BYD um, distributors experienced, so they're locally in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we've got to make this really clear: this issue does not exist in New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand has done nothing wrong. In fact, mm. everything right. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's such an interesting. And I think the dynamic I, between the two. I think the Australian operation could have learned a lot from how Atika and BYD in New Zealand have, have managed it. You know, they've done a really, really as an observer, they've done a really great job um, around that and brought the vehicle to market a lot faster than Australia too, with with mm. no you know with no missteps at all. They've done a fantastic job. So well, well I think they bought it. They bought it to market faster with less steps by actually slowing it down. Um, from from my insight, from the side, you know, slightly outside, but with a little bit more view than other people is uh, the BYD team in New Zealand quite often could have done things a little bit quicker at times but they've chosen to just stop breathe you know for example I believe they could have delivered a lot of the cars a lot quicker but they chose to have them properly prepped they waited for scan tools to do updates they did proper handover sessions with people um, mm. communicate you know didn't over promise I, so yeah I mean it's, a, it's an interesting thing but yeah I do feel for those Australian owners they are very much in limbo at the moment um yeah, it's uh... yeah, and, and and I think I've shared with you. I mean, Richard, you you know, but uh, you know, some of the people watching might not know. But I did some early work with Nexport 
uh, for BYD in Australia. And it was quite an entertaining ride, you know, without telling, uh, it was quite an entertaining ride. And I think, you know, uh, when you work on a, on a startup automotive company, they have to learn a lot. You know, they bring a lot of people in from either overseas or a lot of local people, and they have to build that expertise. And I think one of the interesting things about um, one of the interesting things about BYD in New Zealand, they've got a team who a lot who know automotive, and they brought in a lot of good experience. You know, and Warren uh, understands what he's doing, and and all the support he's got understand what they're doing. Next point in Australia. They seem to hire people out of the industry because they wanted to be real disruptors. And that has, you know, and that's a dangerous thing to do. You know, um, I think it was the Shira Honda that said, uh, be open minded and challenged, but be mindful of best practice. That might not mm -hmm. be an exact quote, but that's the sort of uh, that's the sort of uh, idea. And I think you've got to get the best of both worlds. You've got to get the innovation, but yet you've got to get the experience and you can't just go. We're going to shake it all up, and we'll have new people because it'll, it'll be an absolute disaster. So, so, so Steve, will, will you be keeping your ear to the ground for a whole pile of uh, unregistered <laughs> BYD Edo threes with <laughs> two rear anchor points that can be bought for uh, a discount out of Australia to bring over to Yuan? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be five seaters here. That would be the great bonus, right? <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What would we take? Add, add a five thousand dollar EVs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you add a seat by shipping them across the Tasman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, awesome. Yeah, so look, uh, I hope they sort that soon. It's been a bit of a mess. And uh, yeah, um, if we just go to a comment specifically on that, uh, Trisha Hudson says, the other 3 is marketed as a family car, so you would have thought they'd pay particular attention to the ADR car seat criteria. Yes, yes, I could not agree more as somebody who puts car seats in the back of the Edo 3. I actually, I like the Edo 3 for car seats. It's got a bit more, I find sitting in the back of the MG actually almost a little bit better than the BYD because I think the, the knee height between the floor and the seat is better in the MG for me. Um, but as far as putting car seats in, just that extra gap between the two rows of seats make it great for uh, for getting car seats in and out. Um yeah, it's uh, it's a good car for that. Um, yeah. Now on to sorry. No, no, I was just gonna rattle on about Isofix, but it's quite nerdy. I just you know I remember Isofix in the UK. It's such a good system. Why don't why does why is ADR why does ADR not recognise Isofix and why do they think that a tether strap's the way to go? Just doesn't make yeah. sense. To me. But it is what it is. Yeah, um, I use both. I mean, it's 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 just. Your belt and braces, I guess. Um, now, uh, on to our next story. Uh, so, put this back up. Um, the beautiful yes. now, New Zealand Post has <laughs> launched the first of its 60 electric vans. New Zealand Post has unveiled, unveiled the first consignment of its 60 new electric Mercedes-Benz Evito panel vans to add to its vehicle fleet, a $20 million initiative reducing its carbon emissions. A uh, line for 22 of the 60 new Mercedes-Benz Veto vans was displayed at New Zealand Post Auckland Operations Centre at Highbrook. They were replaced diesel and petrol-powered vans used by NZ Post and some of its delivery partners for last mile delivery and to help achieve its target to reduce emissions by a third in, by 2030. Uh, now, it's an interesting one here, and the structure they've got is that some of these will be run in-house, and some of them they are going to put on leases to their uh their customer to their contractors and what they're basically saying is they might have a contract the lease is one for a while sends it back in 
and then they'll you know after a couple of years it gets leased back it could get leased back out again and the leases will be lower every time it goes back out again so theoretically that helps the van get further down the market as we go which i guess is great we're always talking about cascading uh vehicles down the market now the insight from evs and beyond those is actually an interesting story bubbling behind the scenes on this one uh in that New Zealand Post has made noises about electrification of their van fleet before, and they actually gained funding to subsidise electric vans for their contractors. Uh, the uh, uh, van, uh, I think the figure is about $14,000 for an electric van. You use a contractor, so you're a rural postie, whatever, you go out and buy an electric vehicle for your, uh, your route, you get a $14,000 check back. Um, but they haven't been paying that out. And that is because pretty much the only electric vans you've been able to buy in the market up until now have been the LDV vans. And New Zealand Post, uh, well, initially having LDV vans on their fleet, uh, then came out with the statement that they would only allow vans of an ANCAP 4 rating and above to uh, to be uh, uh, receive the funding. You could buy the other vans, but you had to have an ANCAP 4 van or above to buy the funding. Well, up until now, there's no, been no ANCAP vans, uh, vans with an ANCAP four-star rating that were electric on the New Zealand market. And the ANCAP rating for that, um, uh, for that, uh, sorry, uh, the ANCAP rating for that e-veto expires, well, for the veto expires in December. And we haven't actually received confirmation from the NZTA. And if you jump on right car now, the eVito doesn't technically have an ANCAP rating. So <laughs> they, they're kind of uh, f breaking somewhat of their own rules. So we've had three or four emails in the last few days as this news broke uh, of um, uh, the from contractors who have gone out looking for vans or even gone and bought LDB vans who are saying that New Zealand Post is stiffing us and not, give, not giving us our money and why do we need to go and lease or spend $120,000 on a van to get this? Um so yeah, it's a bit of an interesting situation there. Do follow EVs and Beyond on that one. We are keeping an eye on it. Um, it seems uh, interesting that they're kind of restricting things in that way. Do you get many people asking for electric vans at, at the yard, Steve? I mean, you must have sold a few e ENVs in your time. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we, we've sold quite a lot of the ENVs, especially the 40 kilowatt hour ones to, to fleets and that sort of thing over the year, over the years. Um, yeah, there is a real sort of gap in the market, especially with these large fleets that, um, you know, will only sort of buy new, um, which basically LDVs sort of had the market cornered. So, yeah, I, I think uh, we've looked at these XUK in the past and they, they look like a really good um, option. And I think 100 kilowatt hour pack, is that right? Six, 65. Yeah. They're, they're quite, oh, okay. quite a small. Oh, the same as the, they come with a hundred though, don't they? Or is it that you can get a hundred in the uh, in the EQV in the luxury one? Oh right, okay, yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, um, but I mean, I guess yeah. if they're charging at hundred and ten kilowatt, um, that should be good for for um, you know the posties. It's sort of the the a really important market to go electric, mm. um, as everyone buys everything online now. Um, so. Um, and, and, you know, like we found with, with our um, delivery vehicle, you know, you can do as many cases as you want, really. Um, and the more you do, the better it becomes. Yeah. Mm. Anthony, you've you've worked with commercial vans before. Probably won't name the, the brands in this this case. Uh, and with the Chinese brands. I mean, is this a bit of anti chinese going on here? I mean, 
what do you think of this policy shift with New Zealand Post? I mean, I've looked at it and spec for spec, there's not a lot in safety that a eDeliver 9 doesn't have that a eVeto has. In fact, in some ways, arguably, it might even be a little more modern. Hmm. Uh, look, I think the first thing is we have to acknowledge, uh, uh, and I think congratulate New Zealand Post for, for making this initiative, because uh, their model is quite interesting in that uh, they have, as they call them, delivery partners. So all the contractors who deliver uh, who deliver your parcels, but not your post, um, are all self-employed contractors who run their own vans. Mm-hmm. So, so the first point for, for music, moving, for trying to electrify their fleet is a really, really good first step. But there's a number of flaws in the way they're doing it. Firstly, there is no uh, ANCAP rating for uh, for commercial vehicles full stop. So when we talk about Vito being five-star, it's actually not five. I think I'm right in saying it's not five-star. It's only the people mover that's five-star, V-Class and Valente. Um, there's no, um, there might be a Euro NCAP, but not an ADR. I can't remember which way around it is. There's other. No, no, so so NCAP has done the odd van, and I do believe that yeah. Vito is the when specifically specced with side airbags, which I believe these are. Um, yes. But that was tested in 2014. Oh, maybe a little and, bit later. Than that. When you when no, you maybe 2016. Out, but but yeah, my when, understanding is is that the and I've got actually got this in a statement tonight from um, Mercedes Benz Zan tonight. That rating runs out in December on December first this year. Right. So in a month I mean, time, the, month and a bit's time. I think what's interesting about I think what's interesting about Vito knowing the van reasonably well is that you know when that van came out it was super high tech and it was Euro six when lots of people were Euro five. And there was a big premium that came with Euro 6. It was a really, really frugal van as, a, as an ICE diesel uh, product. Um, you know, the challenge is that they've, they've got an ANCAP rating that is, you know, in some markets, uh, they don't test vans. In many markets around the world, they don't test vans because it's a commercial vehicle. Um, and, um, and actually, the, the LDV product is, is a pretty solid product. New Zealand has a real challenge on commercial vehicle adoption for electric vehicles. So 25% of our passenger vehicle fleet or thereabouts is full electric at the moment for the last few months. Um, it's about 0.5% of commercial vehicles. So you can see that commercials have just not started on the journey at all for electrification. So to have a strange, uh, to have something that's not all encompassing actually is self-defeating because if they want to get uh, take up, you need to actually accept that you want lots of vans. And let's face it, eDeliver 3 is a modern van. It's not like EV80 was, um, you know, which was an old product. So it's a much E-del- more- E-del- Look, I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be delicate here because I, I no, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest here. I have friends at LDV, but uh, as I have friends at Mercedes Benz too. But uh, I, I don't consider the eDeliver 3 a modern van. I think it's quite a basic vehicle. The eDeliver 9 is a very modern vehicle, I believe, okay. in, in my opinion. Yeah. The uh, well, I, and I highly rate the eleven nine. I think I think I think the point is that the bigger picture. I guess where I'm trying to go with this really is that the bigger picture is they should push for electrification, and the mm. challenge with electrification is they've got a business model which actually drives people to drive, which uh, motivates people to drive cheap to buy vans because you're because mm. of the way that they have contract partners or the or, or business partners to deliver courier packages. So actually, the challenge is. Is is more fundamental, but you've got to you've got to congratulate them for making the move. I also think it's interesting that a product like this, you know, 
it is only a 60 kilowatt, I guess that's usable, it's only a 60 kilowatt hour battery. And the testing regime for vans, I suspect, uh, and I'd like to, I'd be happy for somebody to correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but the testing regime, uh, when you talk about WLTP, it's going to be unladen. So what's that vehicle going to do laden? You know, if it's got half a ton in, or the payload of that van will be about a ton probably. Um, you know, what's the what's the range of that vehicle going to be in service, loaded up with stuff? And that's the challenge. You know, actually, there's a product coming to market quite soon that's um, it's a plug-in hybrid with a 32 kilowatt hour battery. And you kind of go, well, that's a good battery for a plug-in hybrid. You know, that's going to have a... A real, a, a really good, real world, um, real world range, but also have the flexibility of petrol for the for the for the long distance in between where you're back into urban use. So I think, um, I think there's some challenges with the product to a degree. I think Mercedes is probably the right product, but I also think they, I think they deliver three is probably actually also a decent product because there's a lower price point. They'll get more product in. I think the battery size is going to be a challenge for any commercial vehicle. And I think whether we go swappable batteries or whether we actually go plug-in hybrids or whether we go, you know, range extender sort of stuff, I, I don't think it's clear on, on commercial vehicles which way to go. I watched a YouTube clip the other day of, of, a, of a concrete mixer with a swappable battery. You know, the battery's like the size of the cab. Uh, mm. But whatever, we, you know, if you're going to do – we don't have big cities like Germany, you know, like like Europe. We've got sprawling cities with a lot of open road, and that's going to decimate the range. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they go in service fundamentally. And by limiting so, them on range, they're going to slow their take up. I, I chatted with a fleet manager a little while back for one of the big uh, big box retailers in New Zealand. They were launching electric commercial vehicles into their fleet at the time, and he said that the the understanding here was that the weight wasn't actually the big bearing factor in the in the. Uh, uh, in it because most delivery services it's very bulky but not particularly heavy the stuff they're mm -hmm. dealing with he also mm -hmm. notes that they basically work out all their all their stuff based off half full because the vehicle goes out full but it comes back empty so you basically yes. record it at halfway and his experience was that um uh in new zealand aerodynamics were more an issue than payload and that they mm. found that it was more the fact that the thing was a big boxy thing that killed the range than what they were loading um I uh, had a chat to our local New Zealand post operator here the other day as we were working on the story just to get some insight. Um, he drove, he runs around in a jumbo Hiace. Um, he says they, you know, he he'll fill the thing up reasonably well, um, uh, but says it's never particularly heavy. A lot of air in the boxes, uh, and uh, he we're on a you know a semi rural run here. He. His, he picks up from Wellsford and Whangarei and delivers around the Mangafai Waipu area. And he says even then his his delivery runs only about 200k a day on the big day when he drives his van home. Um, so it's, yeah, There must uh, be a, a large chunk of the fleet that don't do more than that. You know, I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you must be able to cover a, a huge, you know, portion anyway. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of the ones we've had speaking to are actually rural post delivery people because the rural post are contractors as well. Um, and mm -hmm. they've been buying things like E-Deliver 3 because that to them is just a great little size van to replace that. And also, I understand there's some talk underway in regards to the safety rating on the uh, the uh, T60 EV Ute because a lot of the rural delivery guys are looking at that. That at the moment, there's still some questions around the safety rating it has because the ANCAP five-star cars, T60s we have here are ADR vehicles. 
whereas the ute has been launched too far apart to to ride off the coattails of that adr one um and also because it's uh, it's a European spec vehicle, though now that Australia's come along, we may get ADR spec, which may solve that problem as well. So it's it's interesting. I just think it's great that, yeah, I think it's great that New Zealand Post is doing the EV stuff. I think they should be more willing to look at other options. Um, next year, it probably will fix itself anyway because we've got electric vans from Peugeot, Citroën, Ford, all sorts of other stuff coming into the market that's uh, just going to give so many more options. Nothing as cheap as the LDV. Um, but yeah, interestingly, those people are most of them are going ahead and buying the vehicles anyway because they're talking about spending sixty grand on a van and not getting their thirteen grand back versus spending one hundred and twenty on a van and getting thirteen back. So, it's... and I wonder, you know, I wonder how many vans they've got on their fleet. You know, the uh, the challenge, uh, the challenge for NZ Post will be their their fleet, their partner fleet will be massive, will be mm. absolutely massive, and this uh, initial order will be a drop in the a drop in the ocean. I guess the awkward thing would be if we end up with more LDVs on the fleet than Mercedes. Oh, I, I think it's about what's the right. It's about what's the right result. Maybe they need some Horwins on there for some of their local deliveries. You know, <laughs> maybe that's the solution. But I think I think the challenge actually is that um, the model where you have contractors that have to pay for their own van, um, and these guys, you know. They, they're all owner operators. There's very few people with fleets within the business because of the way the business is structured. You'd have to question whether that's the right way to encourage um, EV ownership at this stage with vans when there's not a lot of you know there's not a lot of choice out there and the choice is quite expensive. What do we think an EV tow is? What's the I don't, have they got the RRP better, yet? Better, better, 110 grand, I think. About 110. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. Uh, right. What can you land them for out of the UK, Steve? I'd have to have a look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think surely with the with the case of um, you know, I mean, they, they must be doing a, a huge annual mileage and servicing and all that. I, I think you know those numbers seem you know look attractive um, yeah, yeah. If, if you span them out. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Right on to our last news story for the day. And it's one that some people may have knew him, but I was a little, a little behind on. That was that um, uh, Steve West has uh, stepped down as the CEO of ChargeNet. Again, this actually happened a wee while ago, but what they're saying at the moment is they're about to appoint a new one. Uh, Damon Birchfield is acting as chief executive uh, and is on the board alongside uh, West, Liz Yeaman, Aldi Yates, Julian McCree and Chair Terry Allen. Now, uh, I don't think Steve's going anywhere from the market, but I think we should just acknowledge his efforts in launching and starting ChargeNet. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if he's taking a wee break from being at the helm, then uh, he probably deserves it at this point. Um, he, he's certainly a bit of a legend in the scene now for what he's done, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know when, when he started, but it was, a long time before there was there was a business model there um, and as you were forward thinking enough as he was so yeah it's um it's amazing yeah we, we've um, as a country um we have a lot of thanks to give to that man so yeah yeah i i, I think i first heard about charging it coming back in a god I, I probably picked the year wrong about 2004 2005 i i knew steve through well i'd heard of steve through a mutual friend uh, tom parker who's now their chief technology officer and I had a then very high tech and rare and whiz bang um, uh, Holden Vault 
I was driving for a few months. We took it over there for him to uh, to have a look at. He liked it, but he wasn't too convinced by the fact that it still had a petrol motor in it. Um. <laughs> I um, funny story. I don't don't know how I bumped into it, but I, I was having a look on NZ EV owners, and I think I think someone commented on something really really old. And I, anyway, I bumped into this post that Steve West put, and it was something like he was saying, "Hey, we've got a real issue with you know." a lack of infrastructure and there's no motivation to sort of build infrastructure um is anyone doing anything about this <laughs> which i thought was quite hilarious what <laughs> see it then many years later um, yeah it's quite okay he's been a massive visionary hasn't he uh, uh, you know he would have when he started to do uh, what he did so many people would have told him he was absolutely nuts because yeah, yeah. you know you're not even at the start of being of an early adopter you're so far off the scale you're so far <laughs> yeah. ahead you know he would have been it would have been like really would have been like when musk was saying we're going to build evs for the masses and i'm going to build some massive factories to build them and people will go well you've you've got rocks in your head you know 10 years ago <laughs> when steve west started saying we're going to build a, a charging infrastructure people he must have had so many people not one or two but he must have had so many people either nod quietly and then walk into another room and say, the guy's mad or just tell him up front that they didn't see it. So, you know, I, I think I, I, I've only met Steve a couple of times. I've barely spoken to him, but what he's done for the industry is phenomenal. Mm. Particularly, it's very easy to look at where we are now and kind of take it for granted. But that was a real, you know, build it and they will come. He built an infrastructure when there was no, when there was almost no demand for it. And it yeah. couldn't have made sense from a payback point of view. It couldn't have done. I, 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 I suspect it barely still does. I mean, you know, there's two things, you know, New Zealand, we love the fact we've got an infrastructure that just accelerated well beyond Australia's. And there was there was a couple of things that did that. But two of the bigger one, big things were, were Steve Westner's uh, and his uh, then uh, partner D, who saw you know what was needed, and they put an awful lot of their personal wealth on the line to do what they did. And then, and this is a controversial one, we had the National Party and Simon Bridges put in place the uh, the um, uh, the funding to mm-hmm. yeah, I can't remember the name of the funding to uh, provide fifty percent of the cost on a lot of these projects, and that has worked so well and it's why we have i think such a reason such a great spread of infrastructure now compared to us compared to australia compared to other markets and you know we have very few or we're closing down the last few gaps that uh, in the network that make it you know it's pretty much any car can get somewhere if you've got the time to do it um mm. yeah we we were actually um lucky enough to um have funding from the contestable fund for our um, DC fast charger, the public one that we have at Drive UV, and um, it, it really does. It, it is the difference between it, it being, you know, um, financially vi- viable at some point to just not even on the cards. I mean, our, our install was about, or should I say, it was budgeted for eighty thousand. It was at least eighty thousand. It went over that, but um, at, at at sort of half of that, we're looking at the numbers. At, probably after about six years it will probably break even um or, or you know cover the costs and start being profitable um which is you know if you were just putting it in a car park somewhere is probably not the the best investment in the world but it's also you know it, it is a viable business um proposition so it's um yeah we're very lucky to have that 
Yeah. Mm. No. And, and actually, just just talking about uh, that, it was 2016 when um, Electric Highway was announced. That was Simon Bridges' uh, program, and BMW mm. New Zealand at the time jumped on board as well to support that. I don't know how yeah, how much. Yeah. You know, so so that, that was that was two stages. They went on immediately. Um, the initial, yeah. I, I went to both announcements. Uh, my wife was working for charging at the time when uh, the BMW announcement happened. Um, yeah, there was a gap between the two, and and BMW New Zealand uh, they sure did put up a. I probably I can't say the figure for commercial regions, but it was a big chunk of money towards the rollout. Big chunk of money. Um, yeah. When I do my presentation to uh, overseas brands that are looking at coming here and I talk about you know, the milestones that have enabled us to have electric uh, vehicle sales that are um, you know, way beyond our relatively much higher than Australia's, for example, you know, the electric highway is absolutely one of the milestone moments for us that, that has enabled that. There's no doubt about that. I and think as well that... To Steve the West. Big the big um you know up over australia that we've had is is the ability to access um japanese import and lease um i think that's kind of up until now australia has basically had teslas um where we've had the the building blocks of you know ten thousand twenty thousand thirty forty thousand dollar nissan leafs that um people can buy and um and i guess that infrastructure is even more crucial um, for a lot of those shorter range cars to get around. Um, yeah. But, mm. I, I actually think it's probably it's probably four or five things, Steve. Uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Electric Highway was a very, very far-sighted piece of legislation uh, or policy, I guess you would say. Uh, and, and there's no doubt, you know, pretty much consistently 200 leaves a year for uh, 200 leaves a month for like the last five years. It's phenomenal. It just trickled. I don't know what the current but last time I looked three or four months ago, it was still about two away to something was the was the running monthly average. So Nissan that, leaves absolutely. That's because that's the that's because that's the supply ceiling, really, yeah. isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's not that. It's not that we don't want that market to grow. It's just that's kind of the supply ceiling, isn't it, oh. Steve? Um. Sorry, I'm not. What do you mean by that? The the consistency of leaf sales, how we kind of truck around at two hundred every month. That's just what we can get into the country, really, isn't it? It's just hard to buy more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's sort of, I mean, there's a little bit of an increase in, the, especially in the forty kilowatt hour market. I think there's 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 growth to be had there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a um, it's a good fishing pool um, for everyone in the world if, if they're allowed to um, bring them in because you can get you know forty kilowatt hour leaves for for thirty grand that that do a, a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's uh, get out of the news and on to, and we'll probably have to compress a little bit, Steve, but uh, I'm sure that's okay because I think what you're about, what we're about to see uh, explains a lot of it. You were last week went and did the Targa tour in the South Island in Tank, your uh, Model S tow vehicle. Did you do it with the trailer? No, no, no. <laughs> Wouldn't be more impressive if you did I it did, with the trailer. I did come across my, uh, my crazy mind for a moment, but no. Yeah. In, any, anyway, let's uh, let's kick this off uh, by playing the video that you guys have sent, and then we'll uh, have a bit of chat, a bit of a chat about the experience. Bit of air there. That's my serious face. Who's your professional co-driver? 
That's uh, my step on that. She did a great job. Yeah, go Maddie, you're right. I told her she needs to at least look like she's scared, but uh, she wasn't having a bath. Just stone faced the whole time. Doesn't matter what we do. Did you find your muscles were a bit sore at the end of the day? They, they were. I said, I said to Mindy, I yeah. said, oh, I'm shattered. She said, what have you been doing? You've just been sitting in a car. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Driving a car fast on roads like that, it's it's, it's a core thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Your abs yeah. get a workout and your back muscles get a workout. Oh, that looks so yeah, much fun. Absolutely. So, oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely so amazing. Yeah. yeah, so it was good. What were the, What was the best bits about it? Um, I think just, just seeing what, um, uh, I'm used to learning about the car, you know, you don't really get to, um, learn about a car like that until you, you start really pushing it. And, and I mean, sort of day one, I found, um, it's such a heavy car and I mean, we're just on road tires, but not, I mean, it's, it's our tow vehicle. It was just a case of, Hey, that's pretty fast. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could go and struggle with that. It wasn't really a, um, so day one, it was like, this is a tank, you know, this thing's sort of wallowing and over the bumps and, and the tires are squealing. And then day two, sort of realizing you can actually, um, you can drive sliding around, you know, almost constantly with the corners and, and being control, which some cars, you, you can do that. And others, you, you sort of, you've got 100% grip and then you're in the bushes. But um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a blast. It was, it was really cool. And, and also, um, I guess, took me a little bit back to that sort of original the ev fight of getting around the country and range you know monitoring consumption and all that sort of thing you know i find it so hard with a modern ev to actually go and challenge it you know you jump in that that car's um 100 kilowatt hour pack you know you try and do a range test in that you know you, you do a thousand k's in it and you're up for an hour of charging you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's very hard to, to find something to um, throw at it that um that really sort of you know makes it makes it hard not hard but makes it a challenge and, and certainly driving at 160 kilometers an hour on um, new zealand roads um you get the consumption up there we were one for one <laughs> at a few points there so um, yeah it's pretty so it was so really you were cool. doing you were doing a kilowatt hour per kilometer at some point at one point at worst case scenario yeah yeah i mean we, we were sort of getting about um 200 k's out of the 100 kilowatt hour pack um, so, um, but what we, what we found is that the windy stuff, we, we were, we were a long way away from that. It was the, um, this target was, there was a lot of straights and there was a lot of hills and a lot of, you know, like a lot of the sections were 160 the whole time and you've just sort of just got, 
you know, light turns and, and um, yeah, doing that up hills. Uh, one thing we noticed is that it really, really generates heat. You know, we had um, some issues with overheating the battery um, and it reducing our power, which, um, so Graham did the, the target on his Model 3, which I, I, I need to catch up with him, but I don't think he had those issues. Um, he's probably in the comments, but um, that was a bit of a challenge. I, th I think having regen on, you know, when you're regenerating, coming down a hill at 160 um, on full regen, <laughs> believe it or not, um, that, that gets your battery quite warm. So yeah, we, yeah. we learned the lesson that actually you want regen off um, for, from temperature point of, point of view. But um, I've been told there's, there's, there's some little hacks with the Model S that you can um, sort of, I mean, it's, it's a water, it's a, you know, a liquid cooled system which is not new technology, so um, surely you can make it better. Put an, extra, the... put an extra cooler on it somewhere. Well, I was I was, I was, was joking with the target guys about having a nice front mount radiator um, on a Tesla Model S. I thought, I thought that would be a bit of a laugh. <laughs> now, we were talking in the, in the last episode about uh, um, seeing if anyone wanted to go and camp on Richmond and hold it for you. You didn't have any charger congestion? I did, yeah. Day one was a disaster. So we, we, I was, I was sitting there monitoring. Um, so obviously with the um, ChargeNet app, you can monitor whether the unit's being used. There, there was one unit that we needed. It's fifty kilowatt. Um, we needed it at at twelve fifty, and we had an hour basically on it. I was watching it from about an hour before that, and no one was using it. <laughs> and then about twenty minutes before we got there, the little green uh, light went to. Uh, went to blue and we thought okay bummer so we turned up and um yeah we we had an hour and 15 to charge and we charged for 15 um so it was pretty tight we, we you, you couldn't our... convince the person that was there to give you a little bit of space you know i did i sort of i did kind of hint i was like hey you know we're just here on on target tour and you know we're in the middle of the competition and and he's like, oh what's target tour <laughs> i was like okay well look man whatever <laughs> you, you do you but um so, um, so next, uh, Steve, next next event, you need a nice car uh, for you to chase down, and and he can be one of those annoying people that parks in a charger, you know, that <laughs> yeah, the charger. Yeah. and then you can go oi, and they can move off and just free yeah. you know, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, we finished yeah. we finished the final stage on day one on zero percent, and we had about fifteen k's of touring after that finish, and uh, we're driving through. And of course, the power limits. And Maddie's looking at me, go, "We're on two percent, <laughs> fifteen k's to go." And I'm like, "It'll be fine. We're just, yeah, we're just, we're just going to drive real slow from here on out." So, um, <laughs> yeah. So we had we full zero percent three times over the tour. <laughs> but and you'll do it, you'll do it again. Do you think you'll do the North Island? Uh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if the opportunity pops up, then yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be there again. Um, Graham's already. Um, prodding me about Hawks Bay, um, about doing a, a Tesla duo team, because obviously the supercharger's there, so... Um, any, uh, yeah. any damage? No damn, there's a little mark on the rear bumper where I, when I unhooked the trailer, I, I nudged it, because we actually, um, we towed a support vehicle down, so oh. we actually, um, yeah, we're all sticking up for Targa, <laughs> and people are going, oh, what, what's the car? Oh, no, that's... that's uh, it's just a support car. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a <laughs> you told your support car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Mindy's got a broken foot, so, um, so she oh, was, no. we loaded, we had, we had the whole family, the dog, 
the car on the back. Um, yeah, so that was good. I tell you what, the, the target folk were, were looking at us when we pulled up with the. What was the reception like to uh, to it from the... Because, you know, I know the target, you end up hanging around a little bit, chatting in between, and usually there's barbecue yeah, or something was, at the end. It was really good. I mean, they, they gave us a bit of stick. They, they even got me up on stage with, for the prize giving and, uh, <laughs> and, and gave me a bit of stick about it. But, um, no, they were, they were really good. Yeah, like, I mean, they um, they were... Um, not everyone was, you know, wasn't their cup of tea, but they were actually... Um, really good about it and, and thought it was cool and then i had um several people come up and shake my hand and say you know good on you for bringing um a tesla to, to this and and you know a lot of the um i mean the, the looks we were getting as we come hooning through and because there's, there's all there's people on corners there's couches and they got barbecues going and you know um the guy one of the pro guys who was um behind us um, was saying that by the time he got there, people had still not stopped looking <laughs> to the left, um, <laughs> still trying to figure out what's going on up there. Um, so, yeah, I think it really, um, yeah, it was really cool. And one of my favourite moments was when we were when we were limping on the final stage in the last sort of two k's under hazards um, at eighty k, and we come to this hill and there's just kids going ballistic. Like greatest car ever, we're dawdling along with our hazard lights on, and um, and and they're just going yeah. <laughs> did did you win anything? I know there's not there's not a prize for the tie, you know, fastest section, but I think there's there's sometimes a few acknowledgements around it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, I, they have a, um, I think it was the, it was more of a classic car thing, but no, we, we just got we, we they they got us up on stage and said, um in front of everyone hey hey you might have seen a bright green tesla <laughs> driving around uh, this is the guy who's driving it what have you got to say for yourself <laughs> so, but, oh anthony yeah. well I, I i'm not sure i'm going to be able to find a, a tesla model to do a uh, to do a uh, tiger and uh, anthony but maybe we should uh, put a horwin team into a scooter rally at some point <laughs> You know, there was that uh, there was that um one in the south island where they go over the top of the they've got some kind of moped rally haven't they and i was yeah and we were just waiting for the first bike you know our first sample bikes to arrive and we were trying to work out how many batteries we would need you know because <laughs> there, there are 2.6 kilowatt hour battery in a horn so how many batteries, <laughs> how many batteries you would need <laughs> what sort of no fast charging on uh, on small batteries you know and we were like well you see you'd have a spare battery on the bike, then you'd need a van with about four batteries because you'd charge <laughs> it terrible, you know? So Yeah. Well Ned Ned's the world is away. Ned our service manager, he's got a bunch of mates that do some crazy ride um ride around East Cape on, on small bikes and, and they have um, they even have a trailer with a few spears on because <laughs> the, the, the chances of some not making it is, is almost a hundred percent. But they, they could well, you could they could put a few batteries on the trailer and that, that could be fun. <laughs> you could, yeah. yeah, I mean I've done a couple of those rides overseas, you know, and you go to these little villages where they hand pump petrol out of these crazy jars <laughs> and you're buying it by the liter or half liter or something. So there must be an electric equivalent where you 
I don't know, you strap a small solar panel on your back or something and make sure you're riding <laughs> make sure you're riding south with the sun on your back. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's an equivalent for something like that if you're mad enough to do it. Oh well, we 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 could have Hulk and we could um we could take as many batteries as you need us to on the trailer, I'm sure. <laughs> sounds like a plan. Well, I wonder on uh, on vehicle to load. Can you ch can you uh, can you charge while you're driving off a vehicle to load? Only on cars with the thing in in, in the side. So I think the the Kias have one in the back seat. I think the Hyundai's have one in the back seat. So on and so forth. So potentially, yeah. What about um, a, an Atto three or an MG? We'll see if we can get. So uh, the Atto threes and the MGs they only they only do output through the charge port outside. Oh, so okay. you can't run that when you're going. But right. yeah, the uh, some of them you can. Um, right now we've spoken for way too long. Fantastic stuff, of course. So let's quickly you, you run said through. it'll be under an hour, so you you, you know <laughs> failed miserably. You, you challenged, um, you know. Anthony and myself, and we, you know, we've succeeded it. Yeah. I, I, I tempted fate by paying the babysitter for two hours. Um, <laughs> the uh, now, so let's run through some comments. Um, hopefully, I'm up to where we've got it, and, we'll, and then we'll call up for the night. So, uh, and so these are going to be a bit random as to what they're for, but we'll work it out. Uh, so Margaret says, sometimes the post is light, but in rural NZ, we are delivering exercise equipment, rolls of fit wire, office furniture, etc true but then you just get an e-deliver nine with the 88.5 kilowatt battery and i think you're about a ton and a half payload you're good um on to and then margaret again on steve west uh here here his forethought and huge investment enabled us early adopters to get around legend uh sure Mark Buckingham says such a legend 100 percent uh paul o'connor says yes the coming from the man who blocks his charges yes sorry <laughs> <laughs> Paul O'Connor says, uh, yes, the industry goes a lot to Steve. Uh, Margaret says, go Maddie, we've seen that. Uh, Graham says, good to hear the wheels chirping. Uh, Graham says, how many stages did you have range anxiety with? It sounds like all of them. Um, I don't do range anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm immune. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, that green looks great. Uh, Graham says, I got 150 kilometers out of the 50 kilowatt hour standard range plus pack. That's so Graham was doing the uh, races well in a model three. Um, no heating issues with the standard range plus brakes got a wee bit warm, but regen was not an issue. I guess we that's, changed that's, the brakes, though. Yeah, that's that's physics, though, isn't it? You're talking about a yeah. about a car that weighs about 1600 kilos versus a car that weighs two and a half ton. I, yeah, I phoned the brake man and, and said uh, we need need some different pads um, and, and gave him the specs and, and he, he's like, what do I do? With 2.3 ton low? Well, we don't deal with cars that are 2.3 ton. But uh, yeah, we, we were, our brakes were great. So, yeah. uh, Mark says, uh, poor old Hulk need a new Model S, mate. Uh, Model S plaid, mate. Um, yeah, if you can ever get one in New Zealand because they haven't delivered any, any here yet. No, Hulk's only um, just done two hundred fifty thousand k, so it's just just running now. So it's barely behind. It's it's barely catching up to some of those BYD taxis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Graham says yeah. next events are around hyper and superchargers should have the, shouldn't have the fifty kilowatt issues. I'm wondering if I should do yeah. one of these in the BYD just for fun. Um, Graham might says have green the heat, and purple heat issues. Mm -hmm. Graham says uh, green and purple Teslas for Bambina and Hawks Bay. Uh, Mark Buckingham says, "And a white slow Y." Well, that'd be fun. There you go, Mark. But do you put your Y in the in the Targa? Um, Graham says, "Targa tour guys are very accepting and and embraced EVs." 
uh, and Anthony, the new Yamaha if if is IE version. I'm guessing that's another Fizzy. electric scooter. No, no, it's a it's a classic old um, uh, Fizzy is a classic moped from about the from the 70s when uh, moped laws changed in New Zealand and the UK when pedals were ditched. And it was the uh-huh. last bike you could get that was unrestricted in many markets, uh-huh. and everybody loved it. It's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bike nerd two stroke thing. Cool, and it's- a lovely one to close. Mark Buckingham, good show, lads. Love the shit talking, as you know. <laughs> yes, and that'll be that bombshell. We will go. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone who is watching, and thank you very much for joining us, uh, uh, Anthony. Uh, get rid of that. Uh, Anthony McLean from uh, Horwin and Boost Auto and Steve Greenwood from Drive EV. Hope you guys have had a good time tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Cheers, guys. We'll We'll catch everyone next week.